0: Welcome back to Dear Old World, my podcast where I have my friends and co-workers on to discuss the art of acting, the state of the industry, our projects we have worked on together, and other fun and or silly things. This week my guest is the very accomplished Julia Cho, if you follow me, which I guess you probably do if you're listening to this podcast. You probably know her as Charlotte Lou in the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, but Julia's resume is long and she is very accomplished. She has also appeared in a few shipwrecked comedy productions. You may recognize her as Judge Pringle in Headless A Sleepy Hollow Story, for example, but you may have also seen her on a variety of TV shows like The Office, This Is Us, and or... The Resident, or like so many other things. She's done so much. She also runs Artists at Play, a theater collective here in Los Angeles that is focused on producing theatrical programming that explores the Asian American experience. Yes, I did read that off of the website. And she recently appeared in I Am a Theater's production of The Bottoming Process, also here in LA. Um, And she was great. She's truly incredible. As you will hear me tell her in this interview, There's nothing she can't do. She's just one of the most talented actors that I know. And she is such a... um, I just really admire her. She's just making moves, and and she is so wise, and she... uh, I just look up to her in so many ways, uh, in ways in which I will just let uh, you experience as you listen to our interview. This interview originally took place on my Patreon in September of last year, and as always, there are many more episodes of this podcast available on my Patreon if you just want to hear more. So without further ado, here's my interview with Julia Cho. Hi Julia! Hi Mary-Kate! Hi, my friend. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm <laughs> good. I just saw you I last night. I just saw you. <laughs> I did a reading with your wonderful company last night, and it was so cool and fun.
1: Yes, with artists at play over yeah. at a, a Noise Within Theater in Pasadena. Yeah, it was. It was quite an exciting night of theater. I yeah. must say.
0: Thanks yeah. for having me. I yeah. have never never been to A Noise Within before, and it's a really cool space. Beautiful and space. Yeah. Obviously, I've seen some of your uh, Artists at Play projects in the past, but this was my first time participating, and I was so happy to.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad it all worked out. And, you know, yeah. we're uh, Artists at Play. We're a nomadic company, so... It's, you know, it it can be a challenge, but it's also kind of fun to be able to hop around at these different venues. So this was our first time partnering with A Noise Within. And um, yeah, I think since the pandemic, we've been able to just partner with various organizations. So that's been kind of an exciting, exciting thing to explore.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask not to, we just started and we're getting right into it. But I know you had, (laughs) you had mentioned uh, when we got together, the four of us, Lizzie Bennett gals that like, yeah, a lot of people were reaching out to partner with artists at play and um, that's awesome. So you guys have like, kind of been doing a lot in that, in that vein recently.
1: Yeah. You know, during the pandemic, we partnered with a lot of museums interestingly oh, that's enough. Cool. Yeah. And I think people are looking for content mm-hmm. and I, I think um, presenting theatrical works virtually was still kind of a cool thing. It was new for these for these various institutions, and um, it just it just worked out that we happened to have access to these pieces that we've either presented before or were familiar with. So mm-hmm. we got to partner with um, the Pacific Asia Museum, which is also in Pasadena, Chinese American cool. Museum, the Japanese American National Museum. So you know, because a lot of our um, our missions, um, goals are aligned. So it, it just worked out and we have these really lovely partnerships and then other companies, you know, like we're, we're, um, we're the, uh, uh, only other like Asian American theater company around in LA, other than Mm -hmm. East West players. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're so busy doing their own like main stage productions. Mm. So it's been kind of neat to, we've always been somewhat flexible, but again, just, just, just to try new things and partner with different folks and see how it all pans out, it's it's been it's been really cool. That's awesome. Can mm-hmm. you, if anybody
0: is listening and doesn't know what we're talking about, can you explain <laughs> a bit more about artists at play yeah, and your yeah. relationship with? artists at play
1: yes of course yeah some context would be, would be helpful <laughs> I'm sure so artists at play is an Asian American theater producing collective that I helped found back in 2011 so now it's been over 10 years it's crazy that like
0: that and because we did Lizzie Bennett in 2012 and
1: obviously yeah. one of the first things I knew about
0: you is that you worked with artists at play but it was like it had kind of just started then I guess It was.
1: we were still kind of like a baby fledgling theater company and yeah we've been just kind of working since then lately we've been kind of focusing on new play development mm-hmm. which was part of our work early on already but I think during the pandemic we realized like how much we really enjoy that work and collaborating with playwrights and this past year, we actually started our own, our first emerging playwright commission. So we were able to work with a playwright, Ankita Raturi, in creating a brand new play from the ground up, which was super exciting for us. And I think it's something that we want to do more of, but Mm. you know, in the before times we would have programming throughout the year and then Mm -hmm. gear up for our big main stage production in the fall. And now the main stage shows have been at you know a standstill um mm-hmm. but we're hoping to get back to it next year next fall That's so exciting. yeah we've been kind of slowly but surely like you know taking little baby steps out into um in person live programming mm-hmm. like the event we just did together the other night mm-hmm. and yeah just kind of like working ourselves up back to you know back to the level we were operating at yeah pre <laughs> pandemic okay.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about like, gosh, the the whole process of like founding a theater company and like what that has been like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have I don't know anything about that. Yeah, uh, that's like such a different world from you know producing a, a film or or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I don't even know if I get expert <laughs> on 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 creating your own, com- own company because it kind of came about very organically. You know, Mm -hmm. I I had worked with um my friend Peter J. Quo, who was a director, and now Mm -hmm. he's working up at ACT in San Francisco. So he had seen me in a show. He had seen me perform in a show with Lodestone Theater Ensemble, which was um an Asian American theater company that's no longer around. Mm -hmm. And then he he was working at East West Players at the time. And um he called me to be part of a project. And we worked on it together, we had a great time. Um, We wanted to collaborate on something again, but because um, that was a very heavy piece, it was called Letters to a Student Revolutionary by Elizabeth Wong. And it was about the Tiananmen Square Massacre in China. Mm -hmm. So we're like, you know, important work, but we're like, maybe we can work on something lighter next time. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. So I had gone back up to the Bay because I went to school at UC Berkeley and I saw a couple of friends in the world premiere of um, a, a play by an emerging playwright named Lauren Yi. And mm-hmm. the play was called Ching Chong, Chinaman. Nice. And now Lauren Yi is like the most produced playwright in the country. Wow. And I saw that. In in Berkeley, and I was like, I think I want to do this show. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know mm-hmm. that entailed like producing necessarily, you know. Yeah. I was like, I just think this would be a really great project to work on with my friend Peter. He can direct it, I can be in it. And then it was gonna be a one off. And so we brought on Stephanie Lau, mm-hmm. who um excuse me, Stephanie knew Peter from East West Players. And they then wrangled in Marie Ren-Velez, also mm-hmm. from East West. And the four of us just decided to put on the show. And then early on, there was this partnership at the Ford Amphitheater. So back when they had this black box space and they would partner with other companies and you apply for it and you get to do your show in their black box space. And they're like, oh yeah, you guys should apply. And we're like, we're not a real theater company. Um, <laughs> but in their, during the application process... Because they encouraged us to to apply. We just kind of like made up an organizational history and you know, like what what is our mission? Like we made up all these things because we did work together in various capacities. Like Mm -hmm. just before Artists at Play, Stephanie and I Stephanie helped me produce a show with like my ragtag group of actor friends. Mm -hmm. And um, she really kind of showed me the ropes. So, the, so that was like 2010, oh my gosh. And then mm-hmm. so 2011 when this is all happening to put on Ching Chong Chinaman, and um, we didn't quite get it. We, we made it to the top four, I think, and there were three slots. But then because we had created all this work mm-hmm. and literature, and in the process we we're like, oh, we like working together and we mm-hmm. work well together. We decided that the show could be our debut and let's just make ourselves an official theater company. And so I I love that. That's kind of like our origin story. It just, it just grew from us wanting to put on this play and then cut to 10, 11 years later, here we are.
0: Man. I love that. And I didn't know that. I never heard that before. I think so many people, just get held back by the idea that like they're not official or they don't know what they're doing and it just goes to show that like you just gotta like do it sometimes like you just deciding like okay we're we're doing this and then and then that's how things come together
1: yeah and you know i think it was like that specific group of people, you know, we're all so different, like even now. So, you know, Peter has been off doing his own thing. And so it's Stephanie, Marie and myself, we're still the, we're the current producing artistic leaders of artists at play. And, you know, our, our personal relationship, our friendships grew from having worked together first in a professional capacity. Mm -hmm. So knowing that we could work together I think has really served us well in like providing this foundation of how our group operates. Yeah. And, you know, in this model, it's funny, we, um, we just did another interview for an article about lateral leadership and it's, it's kind of like a new, new hit model. That's, that's making the rounds. And funny enough, like, this is just how we were leading the company like right. from the beginning, you know, and now there's right. a term for it, but because we are so different, we each have like different, Sensibilities and likes and dislikes, and you know we have our um, respective like strengths and weaknesses. When you're all kind of on board about something, then you mm-hmm. know like okay, this yeah. is this is worth pursuing. Yeah, you know we're onto something here. So yeah, I don't know if it. I think it, it had to be that group of individuals
0: mm-hmm. with
1: that show in that time, and then it just kind of grew from there. I mean, that's awesome.
0: And it's awesome that you guys, you know, have continued to work together and grown and solidified, you know, 10 years later.
1: Um, Yeah. I I mean, not without its challenges. We definitely have growing pains here and there, but like, yeah, we, we survived it. We, our, our team has grown. The pandemic has really forced us to pivot and make some changes as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I think even, last night's event was just a reminder of like, oh, okay. Yeah. We know what we're doing and, you know, we know how to do things well, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I, I like, I always appreciate when people compliment artists at play on our collective sensibility and how that is something that has also developed over the years and and people recognize.
0: Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I feel very much the same about shipwrecked everything Mm -hmm. that you're saying I mean obviously we're different and we do different things but yeah it's nice to be able to a find a group of people that you work really well together with that like have a common I don't know goal and b feel like you're able to sort of create a Know it's just cool, like, like what you just said, and people say it to us of like, wow, like, shipwreck sets are such a great place to be, and like, you guys really have a vibe, and it's like, oh, cool, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's cool that we've managed to do that, (laughs) yeah, yeah, and don't even, yeah,
1: it comes from the people, yeah, who kind of establish that environment, you know, and and I feel like, you know, working with people that you trust Mm -hmm. and respect like from day one, because I was, you know, the actor of the group and Mm. all my other co-founders came from like arts administrative backgrounds. Mm. I always felt like, Oh, you know, I'm always like, even, even now I still feel like I'm catching up and there's so much I still have to learn. And, um, I'm, I'm happy to learn from them. Mm -hmm. So I think, that, I mean, that's a good place to be in too, where, you know, no one is just letting, we're not really just coasting along. We're like always learning from each other and challenging each other because we want, we want to be better as, as a group, as a collective.
0: What do you, like, can you speak to what your goals are for artists at play? Are they ever changing?
1: Are they evolving? Is there like something in particular you guys are working towards? That's a good question, you know, and I, I, again, like we, um, we've had a lot of freedom and flexibility in the way we've, we've been able to operate. So, um, we're in the process of becoming a nonprofit finally, after all these years, Mm -hmm. and we know that's going to warrant some changes, but yeah, ultimately, you know, and this, we've also had these discussions about like, how much, how much more do we want to focus on new play development, You know, so much so that we maybe let go of other programs, Mm -hmm. like do we maybe do away with uh, main stage shows Mm -hmm. because they are so expensive Mm -hmm. and we are still like a five person operation without like a permanent residence. So allowing ourselves to just kind of reassess year to year. Um, it's funny, we were looking, we're thinking back on our first or second retreat as an official organization. And we're like, we're going to have a two show season. Like we're going to have two main stage shows, like right (laughs) off the gate. And, you know, I think early on we were, I think we were pretty smart about like just making sure we, we didn't bite off more than we could chew Hmm. because there are no rules. You know, Mm -hmm. there are certain like expectations maybe, or like, Oh, every theater company should do, you know, a, B and C or, but it but we're, we don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think only as time is, you know, more time has progressed. We're realizing, yeah, there are no rules. We can really mm-hmm. just kind of make up our own rules and, and mm-hmm. do whatever we, we want, especially also becoming more and more conscious of like, how do we make this sustainable for us? Yeah because this theater, as much as we love theater, it's not our, um, it's not our careers. Mm -hmm. We all Mm -hmm. have different day jobs and, Mm -hmm. um, other ways of generating income because theater Mm -hmm. is not how we make money, Mm -hmm. but the opposite, frankly. So what is it, what kind of work is going to keep us excited. And I'm sure you experienced yeah. this too. It's like, you have yes. to be able to be your own cheerleader and carry yeah. a project from beginning to end. So that project better be worth it. Yeah, It, it has to be worth your time and your energy because yeah. we're going to be putting so much into it. So yeah, I think I'm probably at the end of the year, we'll do another kind of debrief of, of how things went, how things, what things are going to look like next year, how we might want to adjust. Certain things, and just just take it from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's wild how much what you're saying is so relatable, mm-hmm.
1: even though yeah. what we do is so different. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's all it's all collaborative. Mm-hmm. We're all doing it for you know the the passion, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's not it's not super sexy work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so even you're... though it might look like
0: it on the outside, but it's yeah, not. so yeah. you
1: really you really have to. I mean. Working with people you trust, being able to carry it through, taking on uh, projects that mean something to you. Mm -hmm. All those are so important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to sort of, I mean, this is something that I have been very... Um candid about with my patrons, just how like acting is so fickle and mm-hmm. sucks, and how mm-hmm. important it's become to me to have shipwrecked just because you know it's nice to have a creative outlet when you're in between gigs. Um, yeah, absolutely. do you feel that way, like how artists at play has sort of supported you just as a creative being who's kind of first and foremost an actor, but also you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it's so, it, it is so important to have something that you can kind of divert mm-hmm. that time and creative energy into mm-hmm. instead of waiting around, mm-hmm. waiting around for the next audition or booking. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've, you've noticed this too. It, it actually keeps you, it keeps those like creative acting, performing muscles limber, you yeah. know? So I mean, what was really hard about the pandemic is because artists at play, our programming is already so limited.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And with the pandemic, it just it was almost like non existent.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, especially for my performer self. Cause yeah. as my producer self, I was still, you know, working behind the scenes with with the rest of the team. And, you know, I love I love to just chime in and offer to read stage directions whenever possible. But um as, as for the acting, I definitely felt like my acting muscles were atrophying a little bit.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. It was, you know, it got to a point I was like, does anybody want me to just do a zoom reading? Like anybody? <laughs> and because, you know, and sometimes like you know, people's perception, perceptions of you shift as well. Mm. So I, 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 I don't know how um, accurate this is, but I also wondered at one point, because people are recognizing me or acknowledging me more as a producer, a theater producer, mm. have they forgotten or do they not see me as an actor so much anymore. Mm. So it was, but then, but then keeping yourself busy with creative pursuits that actually excite you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then, you know, you just sometimes get surprised by things that kind of fall into your lap. Mm-hmm. And I think if anything, you, you just learn to just, roll with the punches and, you know, this career is going to be highs and lows, peaks and valleys. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It comes in waves, you know, sometimes you're in a hot streak and then you're in a drought and that that's just kind of the name of the game. Man, it's so true. And I'm
0: just thinking about like you and I and our other lbd folk have known each other for 10 years now wow. and like just that a that's such a long time even such to like long have time. a friend yeah um but B, like just thinking about how all of our careers have ebbed and flowed and over those 10 years and seeing mm-hmm. the different things that we've done and we've all all four of us girls have produced or like created in that time in some capacity even though like I feel like at the time you were the only one who had already like started doing that. But like all of us had in some way or another, like moved into that at some point. And yeah, and it's been really interesting and cool to like see... I don't know, just see, see what comes, what has come and passed for each of us in those 10 years. And just times when like, you know, Laura was really busy or you were really busy. And then more recently I was really busy and it's so easy to feel, I don't know, just like this career makes you focus on like, well, what's happening for you right now? And like, what are you doing right right now? And it's nice. I mean, obviously like, I was pretty new to this career at all when we did LBD. Mm -hmm. So you need some time just to gain perspective anyway. But it's like you start to see like, oh, no, like it's not just about right now. It's about building, you know, a body of work over uh, a period of time and like and finding the. I don't know, like the support and the, and and not that you even have to keep going when at the times when it gets like dry, like, but finding what like fulfills you in those times and like what that might lead you to. And I don't know. I don't know what the point is of what I'm trying to say, but it's just been really interesting (laughs) to like have our various journeys throughout these 10 years. And we're all still, I mean, we're not like hanging out all the time, but we're all, you know, still in some way or another, like working together and in each other's lives and it's been a really interesting thing to, to witness and yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's, it's, it's so lovely that our, we, we, our paths have been able to cross, you know, on various Mm -hmm. projects. Like I always have a blast when you invite me to take part in things. Um, you're always so good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But yeah, to your point about, you know, yeah, I feel like as actors, we're almost we're we're just kind of indoctrinated to operate in this like culture of fear, right? Like I remember being a younger, greener actor where you're like, you can't, you you shouldn't even leave town because you just don't know, you know, who's going to call or what opportunity is going to come your way. And I'm, I'm so glad I moved on from that because I know I missed out on like, just moments in life, life because yeah. you're so tethered to yeah. your phone or you know email or just like not yeah just not leaving town like now I'm thinking yeah. about it. I'm like that's ridiculous that yeah. <laughs> I was made to feel like I couldn't go on mm-hmm. a vacation mm-hmm. and um just over the years realizing like yeah you you learn to kind of prioritize Like Mm -hmm. what is actually important in my life? Who Mm -hmm. is important in my life? Mm -hmm. And, and then learning, you know, like I was saying earlier about like theater and like no rule. It's like nothing is set in stone. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like actors are often kind of put into these situations where they feel like they can't say no. Yes. And they don't want to burn any bridges. And I have to say being on the producer side and also casting side, when I'm corresponding with actors or their reps or what have you, it's almost like, be honest, Mm -hmm. be, just put it all out there. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's an important lesson that I've learned as an actor too, just Mm -hmm. like, oh, there are these like two potential projects. And, you know, you you feel like you're in a bind and you don't want to say no to either party. Mm -hmm. And then, and then everyone's just kind of like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And then now everyone is just kind of stuck in a bind as Mm -hmm. opposed to like, just being very forthcoming yeah. putting it all out on the table. I have these conflicts. Can we figure this out or can mm-hmm. we make it work? Mm-hmm. And then ultimately learning to make these, you know, whether they be tough calls or just executive decisions, and then everyone can move on with their lives, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and also yeah. from the casting side too. It's, um, it's very, I, I've been working with an assistant. She's new to the artists at play team. And it's, it's been bless her heart. It's been very, um, it's it's been very uh entertaining but also like very sweet to see her go through the ups and downs like you know you're so emotionally invested in this during the process of casting Mm -hmm. and so you know we lose out on an actor and I can tell like she like really took it hard like oh "Oh, no no." what do we do And (laughs) and I've been there where you're like oh no we had this like great cast and now there's this like new curveball and I'm just like yeah you know, Naomi, it happens.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I can we'll also tell her like
1: it. Actors are a dime a dozen. Like we, <laughs> will find, we will find someone else. Trust me. It is very true. And, and we did. um, And it worked out, you know, as much as we love, you know, we love the the original actor. We found someone else and it all like worked out for the better. You know, mm-hmm. it always works out. Nothing is set in stone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you've announced it. You know, you, mm-hmm. you put out a new press release. You... Mm -hmm. replace the photo on the website whatever (laughs) it's not the end of the world again like we're just actors yeah Yeah, no it's it's like we'll move on the world the world will continue to turn (laughs) life lessons with julia Cho. i think that is uh,
0: (laughs) applicable for many things in life but i get that i get stressed about stuff and you do kind of sometimes have to just take a step back and go like it's fine.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is fine. Yeah, this is yeah, just and it is what it is. We're just telling stories, man. Like it's we're all good. We're just telling stories. You know and you know I like I very flippantly say things like, you know, actors are a dime a dozen and like we're all so disposable, but also the opportunities will still be mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny to also think back on like like what opportunities did I potentially Yeah. <laughs> like, what what opportunities did I actually get? Those Mm -hmm. times I stayed in town, although I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I'm from L.A. My family is here, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it's just funny. Like what big opportunities was I able to capitalize on because I, I, you know, I listen to other people's advice. um, But I
0: feel like that's also like, I don't know, that's just like part of (laughs) the actors like growing and learning like cycle, right? Where you do start to get to a point, but you're, I mean, you're not wrong at all that like, we are conditioned to be like, oh, this is your whole life and you Mm -hmm. better dedicate everything to the idea that you might get a one day job that pays you like not even that much. You know what I mean? But I think after a while, cause I was absolutely absolutely. I did that too. And Mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. you start to realize as you get older, like, huh, like there's, there's more to life than this. And like, I, I'm more valuable than that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have to hang my, my whatever on the fact that I've
1: got to be available for everything. Like, yeah. And now thinking back on those like specific individuals who, who try to really enforce that mentality on me, you know, Mm -hmm. whether they were like agents, managers. I was going to say, it's very much an agent
0: thing, you know? And I'm
1: like, oh, and I look back and I'm like, did they have lives like outside of work? Did they have families? And I wouldn't be surprised if, if the answer was no. Yeah, I think you're right. I feel like
0: agents and managers and like those type of like in Hollywood industry folk are sort of expected to just have, you know, their whole lives be their jobs. And I I was not about this, but listening to a story on NPR yesterday about just like how the pandemic has um, encouraged people to try and find a better work life balance. And I Mm -hmm. wonder Uh if that will seep through into our industry. I don't know.
1: You know? i hope so i mean i'm not i'm not holding my breath yeah. sadly like yeah i mean our the, the way that hollywood is set up unfortunately it's almost like i feel like maybe the whole thing just needs to burn down, burn down <laughs> so it can be rebuilt because mm-hmm. there are a lot of unfortunate systemic foundational ways of operating yeah it's hmm yeah. And it sometimes makes me a little anxious if mm. the next time I were to be on, on a set, you know, mm. I'm a little wary of like, are things different at all? Or yeah. is it going to be the same BS? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not that I, I mean, I haven't had too many, op- I haven't done much TV at all during the pandemic, right. but yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that still gives me a little bit of anxiety. I yeah. hope that there are changes are, you know, t- taking effect because of exactly that people yeah. realizing like, Oh, I don't need to suffer like this on a right. regular basis. You know, right. all, all the, all the glorification we've had about like hustle culture, yes. like, you know, going through the grind and, and actors again, because we're so we consider we're considered disposable. It's they, people don't give up. <laughs> actors. They really it's don't. So true. Yeah. And just thinking back on all the horrendous treatment that we've had to just endure because this is just how it is. And I, I don't, I don't want to get fired or I I don't want people to complain to my reps about me being difficult in any way. And, um, that's part of my anxiety. Like if I were Mm -hmm. to find myself in a position where I'm, I'm made to feel uncomfortable or, you know, something I I, I feel is like inappropriate or unprofessional, like, will I be able to find the strength within myself to, to say yeah. something about it? Or will I just let it go, you know, let it slide because I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Yeah. I'd, I don't know. I mean, I hope I'll be able to take some sort of action. Yeah. Um,
0: Definitely yeah. feel that. Yeah.
1: Also, especially as a lady. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah. And there's, you know, being a woman, being a being a person of color, like there are all these different, you know, identities that we've had to um that we have to uphold in like regular interactions. Yeah. And and learning to like really kind of stand in our power and not Mm -hmm. I I know I think back during the pandemic, there's a lot of thinking, um, a lot of time for thinking and just recalling all these moments where i, I just fit, I, I was made to feel less than mm. on set you know mm. and and trying my darndest to feel like no i belong here or maybe it's me like i need to carry myself you know in a different way to let them know like and then just thinking about wow what extra labor right that was right. that i had to take on just to do my job. Yeah. And then what must, how much that could have take, potentially taken away from the job I was actually hired to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so things like that, um, it doesn't make me super excited to be back on a set anytime soon. Yeah. Um, I hate that. But yeah, again, I, you know, we'll, we'll see when it happens. We'll cross that bridge when we get there, but I will say, if, if, you know, if we were to put like a more positive spin on that, it's like, at least I'm more aware of, okay, this is what the situation is. It Mm -hmm. wasn't me actually being less than and Mm -hmm. not deserving to be there. Mm -hmm. Like the system, the environment is already kind of like rigged against us. Right. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, I can walk into a space and trust that I absolutely belong here. Like Mm -hmm. I know exactly what I'm capable of and I know Mm -hmm. I can do my job. If people will, if everyone else does their jobs Mm -hmm. and uh, allow me to do my job, then there should be no problems.
0: Yeah. I hate that you've ever been made to feel that way. Cause to me, you have always had such an air of like, professionalism and maturity oh. and you always i'm always like man julia is a success she knows what she is doing <laughs> she is a pro i've
1: thought this about you since we first met oh my gosh thank you i mean i don't know but yeah i don't know i don't know if that's something like almost like a facade i've had to like take on sure i mean i will tell you like i, I want to say like mo i want to say most of like the tv sets i've like walked on to everyone always assumes first of all oh background Oh. Extra. I uh, I don't know if you've ever got that just being like I a female, right? Yeah. And then it's like, no, but I have lines. Like I'm here to. <laughs> it's
0: not something I've ever thought about too too much. Also, you've done a lot more TV than me, so. But I definitely yes, that has happened and you right. and like, it's like,
1: no. okay. I mean, let's say mm-hmm. that's just what, you know, whoever is, is making those calls, a second PA or whoever they're just right. used to just every, every actor is right. going to be background right. unless like they recognize you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was something I've had to deal with so many times. And then, and then that's when I was like, okay, maybe it's how I carry myself. Like I need mm-hmm. to walk in there. Like, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm I'm a guest star today. I'm not just a, you know, an mm-hmm. extra, but mm-hmm. it didn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. And then I heard from veteran Asian American actors, like Amy Hill, who has been mm-hmm. in like everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, I also know her from the theater world. She's directed for artists at play. We did an, uh, an episode of the office together. Um, oh, I so mean, cool. she, and I remember her telling me something similar, like she couldn't, get past the parking kiosk or something. Oh like they didn't God. believe that <laughs> she was supposed to be there on that set. Insane. Um, so, so that's when I was like, ah, ha ha. Okay. So yeah. it's not just me. So there's, there's definitely some element of like racism, sexism, yeah. ignorance there. Right. Yeah. Where you yeah. have like these veteran actors going yeah. through similar situations as I am lowly little me um Not so lowly. that was that was really eye opening
0: yeah that's crazy
1: mm-hmm.
0: i normally although we have been chatting for a while i was about to say i normally save questions for the end but this conversation uh i got a question that mm-hmm. kind of relates to what we're talking about okay um Emily asked if you feel that there's been a change in your auditions since, you know, a sort of all of the the focus and the talk about like, you know, AAPI recently and also mm-hmm. the success of stuff like Crazy Rich Asians. Like, do you feel like all of this sort of cultural whatever has
1: affected like you in any way, in any positive way? Or do you or do you feel like that? It's it's funny because, you know, when Crazy Rich Asians came out, I think a lot of other Asian actors went through similar, uh, went through a similar <laughs> kind of cycle of everyone around them, usually mm-hmm. like non-industry people going, hey, this must be a good time for you. Huh? Yeah, like, uh-huh. hey, crazy rich Asians huh? And I'm like, yeah. yeah, like good, good for all those people involved directly in the movie um yeah it's hard because when you've been in this industry so long too like yeah. i i i i do believe there has been like incremental change in progress you know over the whatever decade that, yeah. that i've i've been in the biz but then again even even like with our individual careers there are ebbs and flows like yes. before crazy rich asians it was what was it 20 years no how many years how many decades prior we had the joy luck club so just Mm -hmm. thinking about how much time passed before we could have another like major studio picture with asian-american leads and it just it it hit kind of right around the same time as like fresh off the boat on abc so you know i mean it has a I, I feel like, yes, there definitely has been progress overall, slow, slowly, but surely for myself personally, I, I mean, I think there's just a lot more content in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, even the stuff, but the stuff I was booking in the before times, most of those roles are also not race or ethnicity specific, right? That right. that was kind of my bread and butter, honestly, yeah. Yeah. In terms of like what I'm going what I'm personally auditioning for, it's still a mix of like race, ethnicity, unspecified. There was <laughs> I had a couple of auditions that they they were like Korean specific. Hmm. And um this may have been maybe on the heels of Minari. And, you know, other people maybe want to share like their Korean immigrant parents stories, Mm -hmm. but it's still like a mixed bag of stuff for me anyway, which, which Mm -hmm. I don't mind. I like, that's, that's kind of what keeps acting fun for me just the variety of stuff that I'm able to just go out for and mm-hmm. and my reps know that. So it's never been like, Oh, only right. send Julia out on like the Asian stuff or the Korean stuff. It's always, of course, because I, they're familiar with my work where they kind of know what my wheelhouse is like. They know I can do comedy and drama. And if it's comedy, it's, it's sometimes it's in the quirkier arena. So I don't mm-hmm. know if that answers the question. No, oh, I think it does. It's been hard. It's been it's a, it's a little tougher to gauge too because of yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, you know? that's so true. And um, and I, I kind of stopped logging my auditions a long time ago, mm-hmm. so it's it's harder for me to actually have uh, uh, an official like log or track mm-hmm. of like what my auditions have been looking like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that is totally fair. I will say I have been doing a lot of um, English dubbing for Korean content. So I feel like that is maybe like a more oh, obvious, cool. obvious sign of change, I will say, uh-huh. um, because like Korean shows, Korean films uh, on Netflix, Disney Plus, because there's now a growing audience for mm-hmm. Korean content. Lately, my gigs have been these voiceover projects where I am providing the English voice Mm-hmm. for a character in a Korean film or TV show. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you like doing that? Do you find that, like, enjoyable? I do, actually. It's funny because, you know, the Korean voiceover I used to do was um, ADR work, which is all mm-hmm. the, the additional background voices in mm-hmm. specifically, like, yeah, if there's a Korean scene, uh, or, like, in, in, in a procedural show, sometimes they have, like, a Koreatown episode. Um, mm-hmm. So I would be speaking, improvising in Korean. Mm -hmm. But now it's kind of the opposite where I'm providing the English voice for the Korean language. Mm -hmm. And there have been a few times where um, I've been asked to like, oh, just improv a little bit for those characters in the background. And then, you know, they hit record. And then I start speaking Korean. Mm-hmm. And then we all laugh and they're like, no, 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 this is in English. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, think, I'm thinking in Korean and that's what I'm used to. I'm improvising. I'm used to improvising in Korean, but mm-hmm. no, it's like, no, no, no. You have to, the words coming out of your mouth have to be English. I have a feeling that is also a change industry wise mm-hmm. because it's all English, right? You're mm-hmm. dubbing in English. I don't think there was as much thought about casting authentically.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so
1: mm -hmm. um now if it's like a korean project i'm seeing a lot more like korean american actors being Mm -hmm. cast asian Mm -hmm. american actors you know if they want to fudge it a bit um Mm -hmm. so that's that i mean that that has turned out pretty well for me for someone like Mm -hmm. me especially because i am bilingual i don't know if i mentioned this to you mary kate but like i was also approached about possibly directing dubbing Oh, interesting um I was considering it for a bit and I was like shadowing some directors because they actually don't have, it doesn't seem like they have a, they've actual Korean American directors. Mm-hmm. I think maybe one or two folks I know have now kind of crossed over to, to mm-hmm. directing as opposed to performing. But mm-hmm. yeah, I ended up just kind of booking more gigs as a performer. So, so that kind of came and went, mm-hmm. but yeah,
0: the idea of it was pretty exciting. That's Have you... I'm sorry, I should know this. Have you directed with artists at play before? No, okay. so
1: that's something I've kind of stayed away from. So okay. the project back in 2010, like just like a precursor to Artists at Play, with uh-huh. like my ragtag, you know, group of actor friends, I technically I co-directed it, co-produced it because I thought I could direct (laughs) so that's how that project came about like it was a really cute fun show called beware of cupid and it was like a Mm -hmm. valentine's day theme show and you know that my hubris kind of got the best of me and i was like i (laughs) think i could do i've seen so much bad directing i bet i could direct and i went through that process and i was like "Mm, you know i'm not much of a director i don't think i will say I, I will say that's when I, when, that's when I kind of discovered what producing is. And I was like, sure. I think I could do this. I mean, as yeah. difficult and challenging as it was. And I was like, oh, I think I could produce. I um, think that's totally fair. I've, I've never directed for artists at play, even though uh-huh. now like the others have kind of like teased me about it. Um, and, and, and they would be nothing but supportive, I'm sure. But I did get to direct for the first, I did direct um, since that 2010 stint. My playwright friend Stephanie Kingston Walters, who I met, she's Philadelphia based, but this is this is, this is so random, and I don't think it would have happened if if it weren't for a pandemic. Um, we met in Boise, Idaho, to workshop one of her plays. Like a director, our uh, a mutual director friend Jeff Liu was like, "Do you want to come out to Boise and workshop this play?" And I was like, mm, "Not really, <laughs> but." I am stuck at home in the middle okay. of the pandemic and I, I haven't yep. acted in forever. So may, yeah. can you send me the script? So he sent me the play and I fell in love with it. And, you know, it's it's about this Korean American woman dealing with loss, having grown mm. up in Koreatown. Mm. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, this is so mm. wild how much this is resonating with me. Yeah. And you know, this playwright lives out in Pennsylvania and we had, like I found this like kindred spirit and I was like, yeah. I think I'm going to go to Boise, Idaho and work on this play, which I did. And, um, such a magical experience. Um, that's so cool. And then Stephanie, the playwright, bless her heart was like, Hey, well, my, one of my plays got accepted into, um, the UC Santa Barbara you know, theater department launched, they call it the Launchpad Festival. Do you want to direct my piece? And I was like, What? Oh. I was like, I'm not a director. And it was, you know, there's a lot of like, there's, there are there emails and texts back and forth of me like deflecting and just <laughs> battling my own like imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not a director. I just, I don't direct. And finally she just like called me out and she's like, What's the problem? I want you to, <laughs> you're the director <laughs> I want. Like, are you going to do it or not? And then that's I, amazing. And then I ran out of excuses. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder, too, if it's because I mean, yes, she knows me primarily like in this actor capacity, but because she like we're, she's not familiar with me in the L.A. scene. Right. So mm. in her mind, she was like, I've seen Julia in the room. She asks great questions about my Mm -hmm. work. She knows, she understands my work and I want her to direct this. So it was an incredible honor. It was completely unexpected. Um, The whole thing ended up going virtual because that was like Mm -hmm. the rise of Omicron um, Mm -hmm. earlier this year. Mm -hmm. And I got to work with these baby actors, student actors, student designers. And yeah, it's just another just opportunity that I never would have imagined. And I, I, I just did it. You know, so at least I can like check that off the list. Yeah.
0: Check. Did, Did it. it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's yeah. so cool. Um, Well, I just want to briefly, because I think probably by the time I post this, your episode of Headless will be live. So oh. I just want to speak to how lovely you were to come be a judge for us on one day, which was kind of a weird day because it was our pickup day which we had technically already like wrapped main production
1: Uh uh it didn't feel weird to
0: me okay good i'm glad we had like some different crew and stuff but it was also really fun because we i mean on a normal shipwreck day, we would have been shoving that in with like four other scenes so (laughs) we really got to like take our time that day and just yeah settle into that and it's it's very
1: fun it's one of my favorite episodes
0: (laughs) i hope you had a good time
1: i did i did i mean i just got to sit and eat cheetos for most of the day from <laughs> from what i recall and watch watch Lee be hilarious so boy yeah she
0: is something else uh, yeah she's so good and you guys really play off of each other really well it's very fun um Let's see, James wanted to know if you felt like Lizzie Bennett led to any opportunities for you.
1: Mm, You know, I don't think so because I mean, I was already kind of like racking up TV credits and you know, that was my bread and butter for so long. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like at the time that Lizzie Bennett came out, like YouTube is not the YouTube we know now it was That's a completely so true. It is a, su- it is a completely different landscape now. Like back yeah. then it was a little bit more like the wild, wild West, you know, I feel like if you did a web series, like even the the term web series was like a little frowned upon. People were like, oh, yes. a web series. Like, did you I do feel like it still with is your friends? a little bit. Yeah. 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 Did, oh, did you make this with your friends? And it's like, oh no. I mean, and that's also what set Lizzie Bennett apart. Like, mm-hmm. I think I, like people would ask me if like, oh, is this something you created with your friends? But, yeah, because that's, I guess, some people that's, that's their understanding of what a web series is. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember having to correct people and say, Oh no, I I auditioned for this thing. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. they legit had auditions and callbacks and, um, -hmm. they have a whole writing team Mm -hmm. and yeah. So it's interesting how things have changed so drastically since then. Yeah, I mean, how if you are if you are big on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok now, you couldn't get your own TV show or get that's so true. Get a whole vehicle, right? But it's like it wasn't like that.
0: I wonder if Lizzie Bennett happened uh, now like, yeah, if it would have led to more things for us, I haven't really ever thought about it that
1: way. It's also, it was also unique in that it was a scripted project. Yeah. And especially now, even like, you know, social media personalities or influencers, they're all, it's, it's all about being yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and in that it was all scripted. We were all playing characters. So I don't, I don't know if, I don't know how a project like that would fly now, but yeah. I think, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's a dig at the, at the show at all, but I think honestly, like objectively speaking, I mean, I can't think of anyone like in an audition pointing, no. pointing out Lizzie Bennet diaries and going, Oh, you were on this show. It's like, no, I mean, if anything, maybe after the show won the Emmy, yeah, right. Then I could like, we could blast that on all our resumes and what have right. casting profiles, but right. Yeah, if you weren't of that world already, if you were like not a fan and in that like YouTube community, um, it was it was just such a blip like casting directors could not care less.
0: Yes, it was so I mean, we could talk about this for a long time. But yeah, and it's something I've said before, it was so bizarre that on like in one world, we were
1: so like rock famous. stars. yeah so yeah. Fam- yeah
0: i mean if anything and I th- then yeah traditional
1: hollywood did not know did not care
0: and yeah
1: i mean i, I like- do think I, I do think there's something really cool about how you and ashley and, and max i don't know if i'm forgetting anyone else like you know able to able to really make the most out of the popularity of the Lizzie yeah. Bennet Diaries. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if, like, if I were savvy enough, I could have maybe parlayed that into something bigger too. It was mm-hmm. just like, you know, it it was just something I didn't have any interest or I feel like any sort of, like, talent in doing, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. cultivating uh, an audience from that fan base. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even know how to go about it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I, I feel very lucky that so many folks who know me from the Lizzie Bennett Diaries have like followed along all these years and like supported me when I like pop up on things. Yeah. Um, and even have like come out to like artists that play shows here and yeah. there over the years. Like that's really awesome. But yeah. yeah, in terms of like the actual correlation to our acting careers, I really don't think there was, there's that much crossover.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I do think it has like obviously led to personal uh connections and Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you know friends and then friends who are friends who are making stuff who put obviously put us in stuff and whatever but yeah in terms of like just getting any other jobs from from traditional hollywood yeah no not so much not so much Mm -hmm. Well, Julia, this has been such a delightful chat. Thank you for sharing with us. I could just keep talking to you for forever, but. Yeah, (laughs) no, this was was lovely. Yeah, I'm sure we could have chatted for like another hour. Is there anything, um, obviously, like we just did the Marabello reading last night. Is there anything else you want to share that's coming up on the horizon or should people just stay tuned?
1: So Artists at Play, we are hoping to squeeze in one more event before the end of the year. We're looking at um, early November, November 5th, Mm -hmm. fingers crossed. And um, I think it'll be more of a a celebration of the new play development work we've been doing and collaborating with a a couple of playwrights we've worked with in the past um, and like a short little festival of excerpts and yeah, just kind of. Celebrating this very still wonky year, but yeah. signaling hopefully a new chapter for us as an organization and kind of like our, our reading, um, uh, an opportunity to reconnect and reunite with, with our community and our supporters. So, yeah. Will
0: that be an in-person thing or like, uh, a- it, it
1: will. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, pos- we're possibly thinking about some sort of hybrid event, but, hmm. um, Primarily focusing on it as an in-person event.
0: Well, I'm just thinking because our big headless screening and thingy is going to
1: be on November fourth, so maybe oh. if folks
0: are in town for that. Oh and my goodness, sticking around, they yeah. can come to the artists at play thing on the fifth.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome
0: potentially. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you, Julia. You are so great. Truly. Anytime we ask you to do anything, you always knock it out of the park. (laughs) And we're always like, Julia's so good. I mean, like, we know it already, but you still, like, surprise us. We're like, how is she so good at everything? That's
1: actually a great compliment that I can still surprise you. You do.
0: And now I feel like I can give you any old part yeah, like any part give that it, i would yeah. never not usually think of. like you can just smash anything you're so great <laughs> you're just so great and thank you thank you for the opportunities
1: I, I i remain grateful for for all the fun you know just unconventional wild, <laughs> unpredictable things you throw at me
0: it is kind Love of fun it. sometimes to just, you know, I, I'm not doing so many of those readings anymore, but it was fun to just be like, all right, we're reading this and like, we're playing characters we probably would yeah. normally play. I'm and like, that's fun. That you is, get that, to do it that's, that's the so joy much.
1: of being an actor, you know? Yeah, and I, exactly. I, yeah. Like all the TV stuff I, I, I've done, it was always usually like a slight variation of like my actual self, you know? Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, like mm-hmm. this is cool. And now so I'm making money, but. Mm -hmm. you know as an actor you really Mm want to like stretch and expand and show off your range and stretch that range you know so yeah yeah, thank you thank you again thank you for always participating and being so great (laughs) my pleasure
0: yay Alright everyone, hope you enjoyed that interview with Julia, hope you learned some things, hope you found some new takeaways. If you don't already follow her and support the work that she does on her own and with Artists at Play, definitely go check her out on social media. If you live in Los Angeles, come see uh, an Artists at Play production if you can, and um, definitely keep tabs and support all of the cool things that she is doing because she's just so awesome. And as always, like I said, there's more where this came from on my Patreon and that is at patreon.com slash mkwiles and your support helps me make this show and uh, do all the other things that I do, which are many and I won't list them at this moment. All right, I'll be back in a couple weeks with a new episode with a new guest and I don't know who it will be so you'll just have to tune in to find out. But it will be somebody cool because all my friends are cool so you can count on that. All right, I hope you have a great Weekend, rest of your day, evening, whatever. Thanks for listening. Uh, Don't forget to, like, rate if you want and leave me a review. That will really help me find more people with this podcast. And uh, support creators whose work you consume and enjoy uh, wherever you can. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Okay, I'm done rambling. Goodbye!